Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. This is a podcast from Minute Media. Hello and welcome to the Over and Back Classic NBA Podcast. I am Jason and with me as usual is Rich. Hello, Rich. Hey, what's going on? You know, just uh, going through some best players on a championship team. So this is... Part two of our episode, we looked at the years from 1946 to 1974 in part one. We're going to get cracking on part two as well. Um, what do you think so far, Rich? Yeah, I think it, it was a lot. Of, it was a pretty fun experiment. I, I know when we first had this idea of doing the show, I kind of figured that we could, it would be pretty easy, you, you know, that we would be able to do this in, in one tight, meaty episode and, and just kind of say, ah, you know what? Yeah, it's like, you know, these few years are up for debate. You know, 2004 Pistons are up for debate and this year. But like, I couldn't believe how many were up for legitimate debates when you, when you went and looked at them because you kind of always think, you know, there's always at least one you know every every championship team seems to have one dominant star or one guy that's like you know head and shoulders above the other or like a couple dominant stars but it's very clear that this one person was like emerged uh you know, you know as the top top uh guy for that year but like it was pretty spread out when we were doing this and there was a lot of, of years that i was really like oh wow we're gonna actually have like a, a real uh discussion about some of these guys so uh that that made it a lot of fun and, and yeah i think the same thing is gonna happen with this part too again i didn't even think we were gonna get a part two uh, and yeah, I think part two is going to have many, many, many fun debates with a lot of, you know, modern teams uh, where you could really make a case for a few guys. And especially so uh, because for most of these, you know, you and I both watch these in real time. So we can maybe give a little bit more of our actual thoughts of, hey, when we were watching it, it felt like X was, you know, the best player on this team or that Y was the reason why this this team won. You know, a little tougher to do that, you know, in the 50s when I wasn't watching the games. And I don't believe you were either, uh, Jason. But uh, not yeah, that no. old, no. No, yeah. no. Yeah, you're old, but you're not that old. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think you're that much older than me, right? Like, I don't know why I would say that. That's so mean. I apologize. But uh, it really was. It's terrible. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I really apologize for that. No, I'm just kidding. Right. But uh, yeah, the, the more recent ones, we've seen these in real time. So I think that'll make for fun debates as well. And most of our listeners uh, have seen these as well. So this might, you know, I think part one, a lot of people are like, yeah, you guys made some good picks. Or, yeah, they're pretty solid. I think part two might get some like, hey, you guys are absolutely wrong. It's definitely this yeah. guy, which will be yeah. fun. I like that. Terrible. We love we love to be yelled at. So yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, fun, yeah. Fun yelled at. Constructively fun, yelled, yelled at. at. Yeah. Right. Yes. Not mean yelled at. Not called names. <laughs> that makes so, me sad like, and, and depressed. Right. So, it does make me sad and depressed. Yeah. Okay, so we're going to recap who we've selected so far. So these are, of course, ones that we discussed and came to conclusions to in the prior episode, plus ones that off the top we realized, yeah, there's no reason to debate these. So I will go through the list. We begin with uh, George the Blind Bomber Glamic, 1946 Royals. So the Blind Bomber made his way into our hearts. It was a wonderful uh, time for all of us. Um, Joe Folks, 1947 Warriors. Buddy Jeanette, the 1948 Original Baltimore Bullets. Frankie Bryan, 1949, Anderson Packers, the last year of the NBL. Arnie Risen, 1951, Royals. George Mikan from 1947 to 1950 and 52 to 54, most of those with Minneapolis Lakers. Dolph Shays, 1955, Nationals, now the 76ers. Paul Arison, 1956, Warriors. 
Bob Cousy, 1957 Celtics might get some uh, controversy over that pick. Bob Pettit, 1958, less likely to to instigate controversy. Bill Russell, 1959 to 1966, all eight championships in a row for the Celtics. Will Chamberlain in 67 and 72. Connie Hawkins, 1968 for the Pittsburgh Pipers. John Havlicek, three times for the Celtics in 68, 69, and 74. Might be a little bit of a surprise there. Warren Jabali for the 1969 Oakland Oaks. Roger Brown for the 1970 Pacers. Willis Reed for the 1970 Knicks. Zelmo Beatty for the 1971 Utah Stars. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar for the 1971 Bucks. Mel Daniels for the 1972 Pacers. Walt Frazier for the 73 Knicks. George McGinnis for the 73 Pacers, making the Pacers uh, three players for uh, three (laughs) different years for their dynasty. Interesting things. Julius Serving, 74 and 76 Nets. Artis Gilmore for the 75 Kentucky Colonels. Rick Berry for the 75 Warriors. Dave Cowens for the 76 Celtics. Bill Walton for the 77 Blazers. Magic Johnson, 82, 87, and 88 Lakers. Larry Bird for the 84 and 86 Celtics. Michael Jordan for all the Bulls dynasty years. Akeem Olajuwon for the 94 and 95 Rockets. Shaquille O'Neal for the 2000 and 2002 Lakers. 2001 we're going to talk about here. Tim Duncan for the 03 Spurs, and we're going to talk about the other Spurs years. Dwayne Wade for the 06 Heat. Dirk Davidsky for the 2011 Mavericks. LeBron James, 2012, 2013, and 2016. Steph Curry for the 2015 and 2022 Warriors, who just won the championship the other years we will discuss. Kawhi Leonard for the 2019 Raptors. And Giannis Antetokounmpo for the 2021 Bucks. And, woo, that's a lot of names. Yeah, that was, man, congratulations. I was wondering what it feel like you wanted me to take over at some point, or you needed a breath, or you were going to pass out, or, yeah, just uh, you know, take, a, take, a, take a breather for a minute. All right, all right, Put your thank stuff you. Back. Yeah, you know, okay. That was good. Woo, congratulations. Right. Yeah, that was a lot of names and a lot of years. And a, lot a lot of, of guys. dudes, yeah, a lot, a lot of guys. guys. I will probably yeah. in the show post uh, if you're if you uh, check this out at Fan Sided, uh, we'll probably because uh, we have like a spreadsheet and stuff, and we can include uh, a full list of this as well. If it's if it's easier to read uh, this as opposed to just it hearing us talk be. about it, we'll no, do I that. expect yeah. all of our listeners to commit this to memory. They should know, who we <laughs> right? Picked, you know, pop yeah. quiz. Who was 1971? Right. right. Exactly. <laughs> no, Zemo Beatty. Also, you idiot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. You idiot. How could you forget Dummy? The ABA. Bastards. Yeah. What the hell? 48. Buddy Jeanette. If you don't know, if you don't say Buddy Jeanette within 15 seconds, like, what are you even doing? You know what I mean? Right. So, what fan are you? Fake fans. All the whole lot of you. Fans. Yes. (laughs) The whole lot of you. No respect for the Baltimore Bulls. The original Bulls. Yeah, the original. Not that. Not that Baltimore Bullets, but kind of that Baltimore Bullets, but not really that Baltimore Bullets. Anyway, sure. yes. Right. Anyway, all right. We're Speaking here. of yeah. the actual Baltimore oh. Bullets, the one that you remember. Yeah. That was good. I didn't even mean to do that. Yeah. Uh, 1978. Let's start with them. Let's make some cases here. For, uh, they're the Washington Bullets at this time. But anyway, right. you know, I, I had to do the, the transition, and then I could tell you that they're not the Baltimore Bullets anymore. They're the Washington Bullets. But they were the Baltimore Bullets, but now they're the Washington Bullets. And this is in 1978, and they won the title. And now we have cases for, I believe, two guys strongly and maybe a third. Wes Unseld, Elvin Hayes are my definite ones, and Bob Dandridge might make an interesting case here. We'll get to him in a second. Sure. So who was the best player for the 44-win NBA champion Washington Bullets? Yeah, very weird here yeah. where yeah. a 44-win team, I, I just would love to see, obviously in a full season, not like a lockout season or a COVID season or whatever, a 44-win team go and make it to the NBA Finals. Like, what would that be? Like, who was a 44-win team in last year's NBA? I'm trying to think of who. Like the Hawks, basically. Yeah, (laughs) right. Like, that would be so weird where you're like, oh, yeah, yeah, the Hawks. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Like, the Cleveland Cavaliers, you know, they, you know. Sure. 
Jared Allen is the best player on the 44 right. Cleveland Cavaliers champion. That would actually rock. Yeah. That should happen again. <laughs> Uh, yeah. But it's shockingly close here. Uh, regular season-wise, Alvin Hayes scored 19.7 points per game over 81 games. He also grabbed 13.3 rebounds per game. Not bad. Bob Dandridge had similar scoring numbers, 19.3, so slightly below Alvin Hayes. Uh, an otherwise well-rounded season for Bob Dandridge. Wes Unseld, though, I mean, obviously his scoring was low, as, as it kind of usually was at 7.6 points per game. Uh, but he did have 11.9 rebounds per game. Now, win shares-wise, Alvin Hayes is the clear pick. He was at 8.3 win shares. If we're just going by that, he would be your pick. But... Bob Dandridge follows at 6.8, and Unsell, despite the low scoring numbers because he was a good defender and because he was able to do so many other things, he ties Dandridge at 6.8 in the regular season. Now, the playoffs follow a very similar path uh, with Elvin Hayes at uh, 21.8 points per game, 13.3 rebounds per game. Dandridge right behind him at 21.2 points per game. Unsell, solid as always, at 9.4 points per game and 12 rebounds per game. Now, to me, the answer is clearly Hayes. But I do think there is some interesting stuff here. Advanced numbers backed it up as well. He jumped up to 3.1 win shares uh, in the playoffs. Unselled was the next closest at 2.0. Uh, Hayes played great throughout the playoffs, including a finals average of 20.7 points per game, 11.9 rebounds per game over the seven-game series. But just one more wrinkle to this. In Game 7, Elvin Hayes was not that good. He was good. He wasn't great. He only had 12 points and eight rebounds. He battled foul trouble throughout, and I think he fouled out of that game. Wes Unseld, though, stepped up big. He had 15 points and 9 rebounds, and Bob Dandridge had 19 points. With that said, i still going to give it to Elvin Hayes. Uh, I think the regular season numbers were, were too good. The postseason numbers were too good. Wes Unseld is right there, and Wes Unseld obviously had a, had a legacy with that franchise. But Elvin Hayes did as well, so I, I, I am going to go with Elvin Hayes. I, I think, to me, he's a pretty clear pick for this one. But but I think Unseld made it interesting, and Dandridge should not be you know ignored as well. He, he, he was right in the mix all year. Yeah, and Dandridge did help put them over the top finally. You know, they were they were a team that was gunning for championship for a while, was a contender year, didn't quite make it, and Dandridge kind of helped put them over the top, obviously. But, yeah, I, I mean, I think he was more of a compliment to those pieces rather than the go-to star, uh, star, although he did certainly, you know, have some key shots in big moments. Yeah, I, I would agree with Hayes, and I think um, – you know, if you look at box score plus minus, uh, you know, Unsell carries it strong in the regular season. You know, 2.9 to only 1.1 for Dandridge and 0.6 for Hayes. But playoff time, um, you know, Hayes really steps up there. You know, 4.1 box score plus minus, you know, 3.6 for, for Unsell. And if you look at the minutes that Hayes is carrying, you know, playoff minutes, 868 for Unsell, only 677. I, I do think that matters, especially in the playoffs, to just be able to stay on the court to be able to carry the load, load, especially when you're counted on to be the go-to scorer, to be the primary guy. Hayes was also an excellent defender. I mean, obviously Unseld was um, great at that, great at passing, great at rebounding. But, um, you know, Hayes was, I mean, he put up a lot of numbers and his shooting efficiency was never that great, but he was more than just, you know, putting up box score numbers. He was contributing to winning. You know, his teams won for the vast majority of his career. Um so I, I would give it to Hayes, too. I mean, I see the arguments for Unsell. I see a little bit for Dandridge, but definitely I, I would say overall I think it has to go to Hayes. Yeah, you, you might like narrative-wise or at the time people might think this is Hay- Unsell because Unsell had been with the franchise since, you know, what, 1968 or whatever when they were in Baltimore and, and had lived through the, all the Baltimore years had lived through the capital, you know, bullets years and, and you know, some of the later bullets years. But, uh, yeah, the fact that uh, Hayes, he had been there for a few years as well, so it wasn't like he was a complete stranger uh, to th- that franchise I, to me it's just yeah Hayes like you said just big big numbers big big minutes played uh, affected both ends of the court uh, just yeah it, it, to me he was the pretty clear case but I, I thought Unsell made an, an interesting uh, compelling argument on his end too 
Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. He had, he was kind of player who had, you know, tremendous value without scoring. And there's a relatively short list of players, um, you know, who can make that case in NBA history, who could be, you know, the best player, close to the best player on, um, you know, on their franchise on a championship level team. And he's, you know, one of the few guys uh, that, uh, that, that can definitely make that case. Yeah. All right. Next, we have the 1979 Supersonics. Uh, This is another well-balanced, no superstars team. In fact, no 1979 Sonic made an all NBA team, which is kind of wild. Um, you know, they were, they'd you know, been the runner up for the championship before. So they hadn't come out of nowhere. They had the second best record in the league that year. So, you know, it's kind of hard to believe that, yeah, you could not fit Gus Williams or Dennis Johnson on the second team over, you know, Phil Ford or will be free. You know, it just, uh, it, it seems a little bizarre. Um, but yeah, looking at the, the, the case for the three best players in the team, which would be Gus Williams, Jack Sigma, Dennis Johnson, um, Gus Williams, you know, who's their, who's their point guard, 19.2 points per game, four assists, 2.1 steals per game. So, you know, solid numbers, not spectacular, not superstar level, but um, led the team in PER, led in win shares uh, for 48, led in boxer plus minus 4.9, which is way ahead of anybody else on the team in that metric. So that's a, that's a strong case for him and played even better in the playoffs. I, I would say superstar level production, 26.7 points per game. So way up there. A uh, 6.7 box score plus minus, which is also, um, you know, led the team. And I, I think led the team by a fairly significant margin. So a uh, strong case for him, but let's go to the the other players. Uh, Jack Sigma, 15.6 points per game, 12.4 rebounds, 3.2 assists. Good passing for a big man. Uh, his numbers definitely did dip in the uh, playoffs, which actually I think was a fairly consistent pattern for him in, uh, in his career. Uh, and then Dennis Johnson, 15.9 points per game, 4.7 rebounds, 3.5 assists. 1.3 steals, 1.2 blocks per game, the high level of blocks for a guard for his um, team. Uh, you know, so definitely, I think, was more of a do-it-all than Gus Williams was. Um, his numbers did go up in the playoffs, especially the box score plus minus went from 1.5 to 3.8. So still, you know, behind Williams significantly, but definitely went up. He was first team all defense. He was the 1975-1979 finals MVP, which, you know, certainly um, – says something if you look at those the numbers for johnson it was uh, 22.6 points per game on about, about 20 shots per game six rebounds per game which is pretty high six assists per game 1.8 steals per game 2.2 blocks per game so still doing everything uh dude, that scoring went up especially in the finals williams 29 points per game on 23 shots 3.6 assists 3.3.6 uh, rebounds one steal per game uh so also really good uh sigma uh, rebounding was good, 14.8, 3.2 blocks per game. That was good, four, 15 points per game on 14 shots. Uh, so efficiency wasn't there. It would be really interesting to see what the voting breakdown for this finals MVP was, and if Sigma, frankly, had any support. Yeah, I would say it's pretty much a toss-up between Johnson and Williams. I would say, yeah, probably DJ was the right choice, especially factoring in defense. I do wonder, because the previous Game 7 of the finals – you know, Dennis Johnson went 0 for 14. <laughs> Did not go well. Yeah. And I wonder if like, there was like any, like in the voters minds, and this is still players voting. I believe they, they voted in the finals MVP. I know they voted in the regular season. MVP. actually, it might've been, it was probably more likely to be because you know, getting all the players to vote wouldn't make sense. I, I'm, it must actually have been media now that I'm thinking about it, but um, it'd be interesting to see if like that, you know, like bounce back, like redemption narrative had anything to do with, um, you know, getting the finals MVP in 79. Anyway, in any case, I'm going with the Wizard here. Gus Williams, Sonic's best player. Overall impact seemed a bit bigger than the other two. You know, DJ, I think, 
you know, that the fact that he, you know, was a more complete player in first team all defense and did actually win that finals MVP gives him somewhat of a boost, but I think Williams's numbers are just um, superior, you know, both in the playoffs and in the regular season. I think he's the pick. Yeah, I'm with you. Yeah. DJ would have been a fun pick here, uh, but I don't think like, yeah, he wasn't the best. I mean, maybe he, he, he won finals MVP. Like you said, there was a lot of reasons why he did that. And the numbers are, are still very good for DJ. Don't get me wrong. The numbers are very, very good, but man, Gus did awesome stuff in the playoffs. Awesome stuff in the regular season. Uh, he's not a jump off the page guy. Like, you know what I mean? He isn't the guy that you definitely, definitely rough the top of your head. You're like, Oh, it's gotta be good. You know, but, but I think you did a good case there. I, I, I think it's, I, I think it's Gus Williams. Well, thanks Rich. Uh, all right, so let's move to the Los Angeles Lakers of 1980 and 1985. So we did some other ones here. We uh, Obviously, if you were listening earlier, Magic Johnson, you voted him for 1982, uh, 87, and 88. But these ones are a little up for debate. So uh, 1980, obviously the subject of winning time right now on HBO. So you uh, a lot of people know about this team that maybe did not know uh, about it before. But, uh, you know, that team, I think, is pretty clearly led by Kareem Abdul-Jabbar during the regular season. There's some things that do happen in the playoffs that might make it a little, you know, a little interesting for, um, uh, for Magic Johnson, but let, let's, let's lay out the case here. So Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, uh, during the regular season, 24.8 points per game, 10.8 rebounds per game, 3.4 blocks per game. Let's also give some love to Jamal Wilkes as well. 20 points per game, uh, on this team, 20 year old Magic Johnson, though he is in the mix as well. He jumps right out of the gates and goes to 18 points per game, 7.7 assists per game. Now, wind shares tell a very similar tale as well. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar is an absurd 14.8 win shares to lead the team. That is good. That is a very good number, uh, in case you're uh, playing or wrong at home. But uh, these other guys have great numbers, too. Magic Johnson is at 10.5, and Jamal Wilkes is at 10. Now, th- where things get really interesting are the playoffs. Now, Kareem's playoff numbers are absurdly great in 1980. 31.9 points per game, 12.1 rebounds per game, shooting 57.2% from the field, 3.1 assists per game, and 3.9 blocks per game. Now, Magic shows up to play as well. He raises the scoring average to you know 18.3 points per game, 10.5 rebounds per game. Uh, there's obviously the optics of him coming in to play center in the final game, yada, 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 that sort of stuff. But advanced stats-wise, it gets real close. Kareem is at 3.3 win shares. Magic is just below him at 2.8. To me, the answer has to be Kareem Abdul-Jabbar with all the stuff that he has. But Magic, I think, does make it a little bit interesting in his rookie year, which I think is, is is something to be said, that Magic, that early into his career, is already, you know, right there, you know, neck and neck with Kareem Abdul-Jabbar as far as, like, being the best player on a championship team. I, I just wanted to point that out and, and talk about it, but to me, the answer has to be Kareem. When, when you average 31.9 points per game and 12.1 rebounds per game in the uh, playoffs, I, I, you're, it's, it's Kareem. It's Kareem right and, now, but... yeah. No, I and I agree. That's hard to argue with. You know, I I was looking at the season and and some of the other things, and it, I found it interesting that um, Magic did not get an MVP vote this season. Which um, I mean, and Kareem was clearly the best player on the team uh, in in the league, but I, I found it interesting that he did not get one. I mean, Dan Roundfield got a MVP vote. I mean, <laughs> it's it just sort of like yeah, just like not a random one. I I found that. Um, pretty interesting. He actually didn't even make um, either All NBA team, which um, you know a little bit uh, surprising. But actually, Dennis Johnson and Gus Williams both got their due. They got on the second. Oh, team the, yeah, year, they so. had to make up for it. <laughs> They're like, yeah. Magic, sorry, the, the everybody's year behind on that. So yeah, <laughs> exactly. So um, yeah, yeah. So you know, the a, which is crazy is because surprising. like right. now that we know, Matt, you know, in hindsight, it's like here's Magic Johnson. He's immediately great. He immediately led the Lakers to the championship. Magic Johnson, the greatest player ever. You know what I mean? Like right out right. of the gates, like the way you, if you watched a video about the season, 
it's you know magic tips off he does some crazy pass he starts the finals game and then he you know jumps up and i forget who's smacking his ass someone's smacking someone's ass i forget who it is right. like he jumps in someone's arm and someone smacks yeah. someone's ass and like that's what the clip yeah. would be it would be that right. and he'd be like wow magic sure. johnson's immediately great at basketball and, he, right. and the lakers are here forever but like yeah it's it's interesting that he doesn't get that due in terms of like the awards and stuff which is kind of weird but yeah and he like he I mean, the, the rookie of the year is, is blowout. I mean, Bird just destroys him. I think Magic got three votes and Bird got something like 60 votes. So, um, and, you know, Bird, like, you know, the Celtics had won like 30 more games than they had the previous year. They they had improved a lot more than the Lakers improved, who are already a, a pretty good team. So, I, you know, it's not, you know, it, it makes sense. But, it, yeah, it, it does kind of counter the narrative. It, it took longer for Magic to be accepted as, like, MVP, one of the best players in the game that I think we um, tend to accept. Obviously, you know, the the, the play that winning the finals MVP, the, you know, the, the huge game he had in game six certainly added to that, but it didn't, that wasn't immediately like, oh yeah, Magic is the best player. He, he went through some turmoil. He, you know, he went through those tragic Johnson years in 84 series. It, it wasn't really until the mid eighties that it was yeah. more accepted that like, oh yeah, he is clearly, you know, like, one of the best MVP level players, you know, in this league, one of the two or three best players in the league. So let's get to 1985 now. Cause this is an interesting right. one here. Um, by this point, Kareem is 37 and starting to slow down. Now, to be fair, starting to slow down for Kareem Zuljabar is 22 points per game, 7.9 rebounds per game, which is not bad for a 37-year-old who's been playing for, like, multiple decades at this point. But uh, Magic is pretty great, though, too. He's uh, averaging 18.3 points per game, dishing out 12.6 assists per game, grabbing 6.2 rebounds per game. Uh, Magic is beating Kareem in win shares in the regular season, 12.7 to 11.2. Uh, it's closer than you may think, but Magic does have a clear edge there. Uh, playoffs are much of the same. Magic is at 3.0. Kareem is at 2.5 in terms of win shares. James Worthy slides in at second at 2.6. Uh, playoff scoring is interesting, though, because Kareem is at 21.9, so right where he was in the regular season, pretty much. Worthy steps up huge. Uh, he goes to 21.5, and Magic uh, drops ever so slightly at 17.5. Where it does change, though, is Magic dishes out 15.2 assists per game uh, in the playoffs and ups his rebounding to 7.1. So, yeah, when you get 17.5 points per game, 15.2 assists per game, and 7.1 rebounds per game, I think it's probably got to be you at this point. So I think it's Magic, but I think it's a lot closer than you might think between a 25-year-old, you know, absolutely in his prime Magic, and a 37-year-old kind of aging uh, uh, Kareem, I think Kareem does make it a very, very close, you know, race. Kareem does win the finals MVP this year, but to me, I, I, I think the, to me, it's magic. Uh, what, what do you think? Do you have any arguments with that? No, I, I don't. Um, I, I do think it's very close as you mentioned. Um, you know, there really is, you know, not a huge amount of separation, um, between the two. I mean, I, I agree with all basically everything that you said, um, in terms of that, yeah, if you look at like boxer plus minus, um, you know, ma- magic in, in the uh, playoffs is like 6.6 crims, like 5.4, which is really strong, especially for 37. Um, you know, all the other numbers, um, you know, the scoring, the advanced stats, the shooting, the shooting percentage, they're like 0.003 percentage points away from each other. I mean, like, all their numbers are extremely close, but I, I think, absent like any counter evidence you know if if kareem had like just totally like had like the best playoffs ever and magic was just like kind of normal i might be tended to give it to kareem here but given everything else you know given uh, the way magic was playing you know he's probably the best player in the game at this point or between him and bird you know one and two um you gotta give to magic absolutely yeah all right now uh 
speaking of uh, Bird, we're going to go to 1981. So, yeah, you would, I would have expected this to be Larry Bird in a landslide. It would, uh, you know, the traditionally, obviously, Bird is seen as the best player um, on the team. He was, he, I think he finished second in MVP voting that year, um, just behind Julius Irving. Uh, was first team all NBA, you know, obviously seen as and was the clear star of the team. However, regular season, our parish makes a way better case than I would have expected. So you look at Larry Bird, his numbers, 21 points per game, parish 18.9 points per game. So close there. Um, true shooting percentage, Bird 53%, which is fine. Um, parish 58%, which is really good. Uh, 10.9 rebounds for Bird, 9.5 rebounds for Parrish. 5.5 assists, which is better than Parrish's, uh, 2.6 blocks for Parrish, 2.0 steals for Bird, uh, 19.9 PER for Bird, which is really good, but not superstar level, 25.2 PER for Robert Parrish, which yeah, is just let's, like, yeah. Come on, Chief. Let's get some respect on Robert Parrish, man. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of thinks of him as like, a, I think everybody thinks of Robert Parrish as like the late 80s Robert Parrish, where right. at that point, he's just kind of a guy, you know what I mean? Like, he's still... It, He's still capable of doing a lot he's of stuff. Still really court, good, but, but yeah, he's but still not, really good. But yeah. he's not like he's not twenty five point two pr Robert Parrish. I mean, that is awesome. Right, go, go Robert. Which was a career high. Um, and yeah, the next season he had twenty two point six, twenty three, and then it was basically in the twenties. He had a bounce back year in eighty nine uh, at thirty five. Still, you know, so he was going strong pretty well actually in, into the early nineties, better than you might expect. But anyway, so. Yeah, that's obviously a lot higher. 5.4 box plus minus, which is better than Bird, 4.3. So you might think, yeah, all right. Um, yeah, you could talk me into Parrish. Um, uh, but playoffs-wise, yeah, um, Bird's scoring 21.9 points per game. Uh, Parrish is only 15. Um, Bird is a bit more efficient. Bird has 14 rebounds to 8.6. You know, um and the advanced metrics, 21.8 PR, Parrish is down to 18.9. Boxer plus minus 7.7 to 2, to 2.3. So Parrish was actually fourth on the team. He was behind Kevin McHale as well and Cedric Maxwell. Um, Cedric Maxwell, by the way, like his uh, – he won the finals MVP, and he, he played well. You know, his he was in a, a really efficient scorer, you know, 60 points per game on 64 true shooting, which is really huge. Um don't know if I would have put him over Bird, honestly, there. But, I mean, it's not like – I mean, so looking at the, the finals MVP, 17.7 points per game on 56 field goal percentage, 19, 9.5 rebounds to Bird, 15.3 points per game. So it was higher there. The scoring efficiency was a lot better. Bird only shot 42% uh, from the field. Of course, he's doing a lot more. 15.3 rebounds. So Bird averaged 15 points and 15 rebounds in uh, the finals, <laughs> which is pretty incredible. Seven assists per game, 2.3 steals. So – I'd have given it to Bird. Definitely going to give um, Bird uh, the you know best player on this team. I mean, you look at the obviously the track record there, the play, the, the the fact that he played so much better in the playoffs, and the fact that also again he played a, a much larger burden in terms of minutes. He played thirty nine point thirty nine point five minutes per game versus Parrish only having twenty eight minutes per game. So that definitely swings this um, to him. But yeah, I was surprised to see the numbers be so strong for. Uh, Parish and Birds to be down a little bit from what I would have expected uh, this year, but he definitely would, um, you know, really put superstar level production up, um, you know, uh, pretty soon after this. Yeah, yeah, it's similar to what we we're talking about with Magic, where you just kind of assume that right out of the gates he's he's ready to go and he's already like an all, you know, the clear number one guy in that team. And that's 
you know, not exactly the case. He, he would very soon thereafter be the number one guy. And at this point, he probably is the number one guy. But, yeah, it is a little bit more of an argument. Than undis- yeah, not quite undisputed. Right, one. right, like, right. He right. is number one, but he's not quite, like, the go-to for everything. Like, right, absolutely. right, right. Right. Exactly. Like, yeah. Or that like a finals MVP can be won by Cedric Maxwell uh, without it just being immediately given to bird. And like bird had good numbers. Okay, cool bird. You get obviously get it instead of, you know, right. so, so interesting stuff there, but uh, all right, we'll move on to the 1983 Philadelphia 76ers, a very important team uh, in NBA history. And uh, this one, it's a two, two horse race here. Uh, sorry, Bobby Jones, <laughs> you know, you're not near Andrew Tony. No. I apologize, but uh, you're not in the mix here. No baloney? No? Uh, yeah. No, sorry. Yeah. Sorry, baloney. Right. Yeah, no baloney, Tony. Yeah. But right. uh, fair enough. This is between Moses Malone and Julius Dr. J. Irving here, but uh, probably yeah. Moses. But I think Doc has a pretty good pace. Uh, so we're going to talk about uh, Dr. J and Moses here. Uh, it's very hard to pick against Moses Malone uh, because he here, you know, has an all-time, all-time great season. Uh, a cool 24.5 points per game, 15.3 rebounds per game, uh, shooting 50% from the field for 15.1 win shares. Not bad. That's why he won the MVP. That's why he sure. won the MVP of the year prior. Back-to-back MVPs with two different teams. That's not bad. That's pretty good. Uh, yeah. Julius Irving, though, is solid as hell. 21.4 points per game and 10.9 win shares. Uh, surprisingly though the playoffs don't help Irving as much as you might think he actually falls a bit uh, to 18.4 points per game 7.6 rebounds per game and 1.2 win shares Moses dominates win shares uh, 2.8 win shares for him uh, and then even more so 26 points per game 15.8 rebounds per game including 10 and a half defensive rebounds per game so if you took out every single offensive rebound that Moses alone had that man still averages a double double in the playoffs with just defensive rebounds uh, that is pretty good. So Julius has a great year, instrumental in this team winning the title, but it's Moses Malone. There's, you know, there's a reason why he won back-to-back MVPs. There's a reason why he had the momentum going in. There's a reason, again, he joins Philadelphia and immediately says, hey, we're going to win the title and we're going to beat everybody. <laughs> you know what I mean? We're not going to lose a, 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 an entire game. We're going to win every game. We're going to win the title. And they didn't win every game, but they won the damn title. So yeah, it, it to me, the optics of, of, of Moses coming to town, them winning, that's nothing against Dr. J. It's Julius Irving, but uh, yeah, he, he won this thing. And, and just to give you an idea of just how well-regarded this season was, uh, he got 69, uh, nice, uh, first-place votes. Uh, Larry Bird got one, Magic got two. So Julius did finish fifth yeah. in MVP right. voting, so put some right. respect on him. But as you can sure. see there, fifth is like got some votes. You know, when, when Moses takes home almost all of the first-place votes and is a landslide winner for MVP, uh, he's he's definitely the guy here. Sure. Yeah, yeah. Um... I, I, Julius, the the one that kind of case that I brought up is that he did uh, your boxer plus minus in the regular season six point five to Moses three point seven. Now, boxer plus minus has never really liked Moses for whatever reason, and all the other stats obviously tilt in Moses's favor. Um, if Doc had better been better in the playoffs, I would have maybe seen a, a stronger case for him. But as you mentioned, yeah, his numbers dipped in the playoffs. You know, everything um, definitely pointed to um, Moses in the playoffs. I mean, he had he had a great regular season, but even better um playoff run just you know kicked ass in every way so um definitely the catalyst for that team uh obviously doc was important you know he's one of the great players of all time and still was it was older but was still you know you know extremely important extremely effective and um you know great player but yeah it was definitely Moses all right all right uh, so yeah, less controversial than I thought it would be so far, you know. But but we'll, we 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 got you know, we got some juice coming. We got some juice coming. Yeah, I think. we got some controversy. The yeah, everybody you know, favorite controversial team, the Bad Boy Pistons, nineteen eighty nine and nineteen ninety. So we'll start with eighty nine, obviously. And you look at it, 
you know, neck and neck, Bill Embier, Dennis Rodman, Joe Dumars, Isaiah Thomas, all really productive. You look at their numbers, they're all within a few percentage points of each other in PER. Obviously, all had different um, all had different skills um, that, you know, we'll kind of get into all different roles, but all contributing on a high level. It truly really was a team effort. Another, um, you know, no superstar. And actually, no 1989 Piston won um, an all-league, you know, award, which is kind of shocking because they made the finals the year before. Yeah, helps the rep, though. It definitely helps the rep. I mean, Chuck Daly loved that. Chuck Daly was probably yeah. calling people saying, do yeah. not vote any of my guys because then he could, you know, come with a newspaper the next day and go, look at these assholes. Nobody thinks you guys belong. You know right. what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah. And, yeah, I was thinking, I for whatever reason, I was thinking, oh, they were down a bit in the regular season. Yeah, no, they won 63 games. <laughs> no, they so were very that good, was, yeah. That was not the reason. Probably because um, they were all – gigantic douchebags and nobody liked them that probably well, played a part in it uh, yeah i i will agree with that but honestly <laughs> right. you know what i think honestly probably had a lot to do with it i think it was what um dumars and isaiah thomas said about larry bird you know that are not dumars but uh rodman saying uh, that yeah, like yeah, larry yeah, bird yeah. was overrated because he was white and isaiah was like yeah i think it's probably true which by the way totally valid totally true totally absolutely the Larry Bird got, you know, different treatment because he was white versus, um, you know, versus the, you know, the rest of the league, um, which by the way, could you imagine how insufferable it would be today if there were like, you know, <laughs> a, a white player who was as good as Larry Bird today? Like if, if, you know, every like conversation you have to have with your uncle at Thanksgiving's about like Larry fucking Bird and like, you know, I like, go, oh, yeah, you know, this guy. Well, that, that, sir, that is coming in a few days when Chet Holmgren uh, leads the Orlando Magic <laughs> oh, to uh, multiple <laughs> NBA championships. All right, so, all right. Uh, I mean, luckily. Here first. I, uh, yeah. I've, I've correctly predicted, A, his success, uh, as well as the team that's going to draft him. So, yeah, get used to it. So, tell your tell your uncle uh, to watch the NBA draft because there is the, the new great white hope has arrived. And, uh, there you go. His yeah, name is I mean, Chet. I, I mean, luckily with Jokic, like the xenophobia is still more powerful. <laughs> right, right. nobody can say his a name, lot of people. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so people are, you know, so white racists can't be like, oh, what about, you know, Jokic? Like, he's the best player in the league, you know. So I do think there are a few people in our community who are a little bit too enthusiastic about Jokic sometimes. But anyway, that's an aside. Yeah. <laughs> that's um, for another show. <laughs> that's for another show. So, yes. So looking at the case for the 89th piston. So Joe Dumars, you won the finals MVP, all defensive first team. Um Isaiah Thomas, he had the best boxer plus minus and PR of the team in the playoffs, led the team in points per game and assists per game. Only knock on his would, would probably be just the, the shooting efficiency was not there, especially compared to Dumars. Now he was asked to do more than Dumars was, but they, you know, they, they played similar roles. They played roughly, you know, same number of, of, um, you know, minutes per game. We're taking similar number of shots. It wasn't like, you know, Dumars didn't carry, you know, a heavy load. He definitely did. Um, Bill and Beer, he led the team in boxer plus minus and win chairs in the regular season. He obviously, they're, um, uh, you know, lead big man, you know, great defender. They, they're all pretty much real great defenders. And then Rodman, you know, first team all defense. He was important, obviously, but yeah, he was, you know, coming off the bench to score. He only averaged 27 minutes um, per game in the uh, playoffs and played even fewer in the postseason. He actually kind of struggled in the postseason. So, um, you know, uh, Rodman doesn't really have a, a strong argument here. So, Really, I would say toss up between Dumars and Thomas, really depending on how much you value Dumars' D and his better efficiency. I'm going to agree with the MV, the finals MVP voters in this case. Go with Joe Dumars. 
Um, but extremely close. I can see why people would might go with Isaiah uh, in this case too. What do you think? Yeah, this is a tough one. And it seems to be a Pistons thing because we're going to have very similar arguments when we get to 2004. But uh, yeah, man, I don't know. It, it, it's a tough one. I think... Uh... I think I'm with Dumars as well. I I, I think he's, you know, the, the, the defense plays a big part. Like, because you're really going to have to start. Like, these guys are all very, very close. They're all contributing. They're all different ways. And, and the scoring is all pretty much the same or very similar. Dumars does step up uh, come finals time. And, and yeah, I don't know. It, it's I don't know that there's a wrong pick between Dumars or Isaiah. I, I think you could pick either of those two and be okay. I, yeah, I'm with you on Dumars, I think think but yeah, i could definitely be swayed on I- isaiah i feel like this is a tough one this is this is our first like total coin flip one where if you came on here and did the exact opposite argument for isaiah i'd probably be like yeah that sounds great isaiah is yeah. definitely the one i don't right. know this is really too close to call man this is tough yeah i would say a 90 is similar but i think it's clear uh you know so isaiah wins the finals mvp by far he has the best boxer plus minus in per in the playoffs uh, Dumars is again all defensive first team and also all NBA third team. Uh, Rodman again is all defensive um, first team. Um, he, he is playing; he's still playing like 29 um, uh, minutes per game, so he's not quite, uh, you know, playing quite heavier minutes yet that he. I think he would later in the uh, 90s. And Lambert again leading the team in win chairs, but honestly, I don't see him as a serious um, candidate. So yeah, but I mean, Thomas in the postseason, you know, he has seven point six box score plus minus, which is like superstar level. Um, twenty one per, uh, you know, he's averaging twenty point five points per game, eight point two assists, uh, five point five rebounds, which you know for a guard his size, that's pretty yeah, good. Yeah, yeah, it's kind of doing everywhere. You know, fifty six true shooting, which is um, which is obviously. Uh, pretty strong, especially for him. You know, he wasn't normally that efficient for a lot of seasons in his career, which is kind of the the knock. The year before, he had five point zero one true shooting. Um, so definitely, yeah, I, I I think based on the strength of playoff run, based on the reputation, based on the fact that yeah, it's so close between the two of them, and you know, and obviously Rodman and Limbier have at least somewhat of a case, although not you know particularly strong one. Uh, gotta go with Isaiah here. Yeah, no no love for the microwave though, and ah uh, man, no no Vinny no. Johnson. I'm sorry. sorry. Yeah. Uh, yeah, no. I'm sorry. I mean, I like the microwave. But yeah. If you were the oven, maybe, but the <laughs> yeah, it was the confection oven. Maybe. Yeah, <laughs> you got. Yeah, I mean, you got to play long enough to be. You know, if you or if you're only going to play the microwave, you're not going to play oven minutes. Then I'm just not going to consider you. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. sorry, sorry. Hit the bricks, yeah. Vinny. Yeah, uh, there you go. So then, uh, yeah, we're going to jump ahead many, many years because obviously you talked about this before. Uh, the '90s are pretty locked in. Michael Jordan, I think, pretty clearly the dude yeah. for the Bulls. I. Hot take there, but uh, Michael Jordan, uh, probably the best guy on the Chicago Bulls in the 90s. Well, I, probably. Yeah, I, I would think say that's so, yeah. the case. Yeah. Uh, Hakeem Olajuwon, very clearly the top dude on the uh, the Houston Rockets as well. Right. So that takes up the whole 90s. So then we jump all the way up to the uh, last year of the 90s to 1999 with a very interesting year here with the San Antonio Spurs. And this one is not going to be easy. These guys were razor thin throughout the year. Uh, the easy answer is to go with Duncan, and, and narrative-wise, it definitely works. He comes on to the team a year earlier, clearly is ready for the NBA right off the bat, and the team could, you know, obviously had never been able to get over the hump after years and years and years of being good, and it's not just Robinson. Like, we've talked about this before on this show. Like, the Spurs have been a great franchise for, like, as long as they've been around. They've basically been a solid-as-hell team. Uh, once Dun- uh, Robinson gets there, they're, like, a very, very solid team. They just can't get over the hump. They can't make it to the finals. They can't win a title. Duncan comes. They win the title. They make it over the hump. They get there. So narrative-wise, you're thinking, well, the difference maker is Duncan. And you're not wrong. It, it, it is. But I do think that Robinson does have a very compelling case. In the regular season, now this is lockout shortened, of course, uh, from the 99 lockout. 
Uh, Duncan just uh, Duncan averages uh, 21.7 points per game, 11.4 rebounds per game, and 2.5 blocks per game for 8.7 win shares. Robinson is right there with him, though. 15.8 points per game, obviously lower in the scoring. 10 rebounds per game, lower in the rebounding. 2.4 blocks per game right there. But thanks to his run on the game, great defense, all that sort of stuff, he's not far off in terms of win shares. He's at 8.4 uh, to Duncan's 8.7. Now, if you're thinking, hey, well, the playoffs are going to luckily split this up. Well, no, not at all, because Duncan leads the team in points and rebounds, uh, 23.2 points and 11.5 rebounds, uh, has a team high 3.7 win shares. But Robinson, though, is really good as well. 15.6 points per game, 9.9 rebounds per game. And again, right there, very close in win shares at 3.0. So it, I think it's Duncan, you know, optics, narrative, on-court play. I think it's Duncan. Robinson does make it interesting. And there's part of me that wants to give it to Robinson as kind of a, uh, you know, a, uh, a, a, hey, a lifetime achievement award, if you want to call it that or whatever. But to me, I think at this point, and especially during this year, it became clear, okay, Duncan's going to lead this team like for the next couple decades now. Like this is the dude, this is the guy. And uh, this was definitely, definitely uh, the year that I think he passed him. So I'm going to go with Duncan here, uh, but it was very, very close. Uh, but uh, yeah, I, I think it's Duncan. Yeah. To me, it's, it's almost a little bit similar to what we talked about with the uh, the 56 Warriors talking about Neil Johnston and Paul Ayers. And it was just like, yeah, Neil Johnston year after year just put up huge numbers, was, was insanely productive, you know, was, was carrying the team. But the team sort of, you know, they won some years and they didn't win other years. Now, the Spurs won most years. You know, the year they didn't win was with Robinson, but they never got above a certain level. I think Duncan was that guy who elevated them. And I, I, I think based on that, the, the, the fact that, yeah, all the numbers are really close. Um, I, I would go with Duncan as well, kind of just a, um, you know, without any other compelling evidence ahead of us, I think you, you have to go with, with Duncan just based on, you know, what else he accomplished in his career and the fact that, yeah, his presence meant leading the team. He also, you know, he averaged, you know, he had 733 playoff minutes, David Robinson only had 600. You know, right. Which, yeah. He carried that, the which, big load, scored the most right. points had, the, I mean, it's, it, it's, it's yeah. good. Yeah. And, and like maybe at the beginning of the year, you would have said, Hey, if the Spurs win the title, it's definitely be because of David Robinson. But uh, by right. the end of the year, you were like, Oh yeah, this Duncan guy's like <laughs> fucking incredible. Yeah. Right. Uh, and this guy's probably going to be the best player in the league for many, many years moving forward. And then he was, uh, he didn't yeah. do it with the Orlando Magic, though. Remember when he was about to leave? Uh, oh, yeah. To join the that's Orlando right. Magic yeah. So much. Well, the Magic are going to get that white guy, so uh, that's going to be good. Yeah, yeah. They're, so. Chet, yeah. Chet Holgram. So Chet. it's good. They'll, they'll make up for it. Come on. Put some respect on <laughs> I'm, Chet's I'm, name here. Come on. I'm glad that um, you know, the, the white savior of the NBA's name is Chet. That, yes. Somehow <laughs> it's it's perfect, right? Yeah. Isn't it perfect? Yeah. It would be better if it was like Caden yeah. or something like that. Right, like, right. There are more uh, Chets than you would have expected. In, <laughs> is um, that true? Yeah. Okay. Well, we got Chet Walker, obviously. We got, uh, we got. Yeah, right. Uh, yeah, you're making fun of Chet, one of the one of the all time coolest dudes in the world. Is well, named Chet. I, so. I mean, yeah, I mean, I'm, you know, I'm not trying to. I'm not saying all Chets. You know, this is not all Chets. You know, this is <laughs> yeah, just, leave Chets alone. I'm, I'm sorry. So we got Chet Carlisle, who played 51 games in the 1947 um, season. So um, we have. Uh, let's see, who are the other Chets? So um, sorry, we got uh, Chet. Uh, Albuchen, who played a lot of these guys as well, are, yeah, are pretty, and Chet uh... McNabb. We got uh, three other Chets who are listed who don't have a season. Okay, we got Chet Forte. <laughs> um, he was drafted by the uh, Royals, but never played in the league. Okay, that's interesting. Um, and we got a couple other Chets anyway. Um, I don't want to over Chet this year, but uh, this is uh, this is interesting stuff. Perhaps, perhaps the Chet episode is in our future. You never know. 
Yeah, Chet. Yeah, we'll talk them all. Yeah. It's going to be quick because I don't have a ton of <laughs> Chet Forte uh, no. fun yeah. facts, but we'll find them. We'll find them. Yeah. So Chet I, No. I, I want to learn more about Chet No. Absolutely. Uh, I would say the best Chet of, other than Chet Walker would be the would be Steve Buscemi Chet from uh, Barton Fink. You know, uh, what about be, Chet uh, Stedman from Rookie of the Year, the uh, hit 90s uh, baseball movie? Do you remember that? Oh, movie? I had somehow <laughs> forgotten about all of that. So yeah, it's, it's changing, uh, changing my thinking right now. See, yeah. There's a lot of Chet stuff we could do with Chet Stedman. All right. Gary Busey's yeah, well, finest uh, work. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. Um, back to basketball. 2001 Lakers. So we mentioned earlier, yeah, 2000, 2002. Very clearly Shaq. Well, 2001. A little closer. Um, I, I, you know, so we kind of picked all of these, the ones that we were worth discussion debate, you know, with, you know, mostly a cursory glance at basketball reference or, you know, in some cases, obviously, you know, we knew, we knew in depth, you know, kind of that there would be an idea of a debate. Well, 2001, I kind of took a cursory glance. I was like, yeah, yeah, Kobe did play pretty well this year. Um, yeah, maybe there's a case. Well, looking at it more in depth, yeah, there's not all that much of a case. Um, yeah, Kobe's pretty even with Shaq during the playoffs. That's, you know, that was the what kind of the one case like he did. Uh, he had more win shares. They were exact the same in box score plus minus, you know, pretty close in PER and other metrics. Um, you know, scoring wise, you know, um, Shaq averaged 30 points per game. Kobe averaged 29 points per game. So, you know, uh, those numbers all pretty good in the playoffs. Yeah, they, they were extremely close. If you want to just pick playoffs, you, you know, Shaq averaged uh, 30.4 points per game and 15.4 rebounds per game. So that's, that's pretty hard to beat. You I, know? That's pretty good. Yeah, it's not bad. Yeah. It's not bad. Yeah. So and Shaq was clearly superior in the regular season. So honestly, yeah, definitely. I, Shaq by a landslide. O2, um, I did dig into that slightly, even though it wasn't technically on our list. But yeah, Kobe did, was actually pretty even with Shaq in the regular season, but Shaq was clearly better in the playoffs. So there was no time where Kobe, you know, you know, contributed better than Shaq, both in the playoffs and in the regular season, the same season. So you got, got to go with Shaq by uh, default there. Even though, yeah, I mean, Kobe obviously was, Clearly the number two player there. Clearly really important. Hit big shots, all that good stuff. But yeah, Shaq for sure all three years. Yeah, he was the best player, and he was the engine that really made it all work. You know what I mean? Like right, all, right. all the everything that was great about that team in that time. A lot of it was, yeah. you know, you needed Shaq to be that. I, I, yeah, and, and Kobe was. I mean, he made them great too. I mean, oh, both oh, were no, very, no very yeah. important. Yeah, but um, don't don't yell at us, Kobe stands. But um, the, the best player was Shaq at that time. It's fine, and that's fine to Shaq. admit. Like, right. yeah. and that's what made them so dominant. And when Kobe got great, then they became like unbeatable. And that's when they were unbeatable right. for like three straight years because it was like, oh, Kobe's great too. Oh, and Shaq's already yeah. great. Great. Well, this yeah. is not going to go well for anybody, and it didn't. Absolutely. It didn't go yeah. well for anybody. They beat everybody no. <laughs> so yeah. pretty easily. So. Yeah. Yeah, sorry, uh, Aaron Williams-led New Jersey Nets. You're not going to yeah. win much because these guys are going to destroy you. <laughs> sorry, oh, Aaron yeah. McKee. <laughs> l- l- listen, I think I think Aaron Williams. I think I think the narrative is going to turn eventually on Aaron Williams. I think we're going to see. Yeah, <laughs> turn, yeah, eventually. Yeah, exactly. Eventually. Uh, yeah. Uh, eventually on him. But right. uh, let's get to a team that well was able to beat the Shaq and uh, Kobe uh, Lakers because at this point they hell hated each other a lot, and then Carbalone was there, and then they hated him too, and then Gary Payton was there, and he was kind of like, eh, yeah, I don't really yeah. like any of you guys either, and they all hated right. each other, and then they right. lost. They had a really good season, but they still lost, and the Pistons beat them. So now this is the prototypical team that most people bring up as far as like an even, well-rounded team without a superstar that won a title. When any 
team and their franchise think hey maybe we'll win a title and somebody goes yeah but like you don't have any stars like no no no. but the pistons won a title it's like okay well <laughs> your team's not good though like this team was really you know like everybody brings up the one example well what about the pistons it's like okay well if you can recreate what the pistons did which again is not that they had like no good players is that they had a bunch of good players but not one guy that very clearly jumps off the page here but we're gonna try to come up with the official person that was the best player on the 2004 Pistons. So let's try it here. Statistically, God damn it, they're all really close again. Okay, they're very well-rounded. <laughs> now one player clearly emerges as far away the best player on the team, which sucks. So in the regular season, Rashid was great, but he only played th- 21 games. Now, do we strike that against him? Does that help his case? Does it help his case that once he got to the team, it felt like they were really primed and ready for this run? They weren't a bad team before this. They had made Eastern Conference Finals. They had made good runs. But, like, he comes to the team and immediately it feels like, oh, well, now these are real dudes. Now this is a real team. Does that help his case or not? We'll get to that in a second, I guess. I mean, I, I maybe off the top of your head, Jason, do you think that kind of helps Rashid's case? Because, like, yeah, he only played 21 games, but those are very impactful 21 games. Right. Yeah. I, I mean, I wouldn't count it against him because I mean, and I think yeah, there is a case that it helps this case because yeah, they, they did turn, they were good already, but they turned into a different team um, with him and improved with him and he, he completed them. Um, the issue that you, that you allude to is yeah, in, in the playoffs, I mean, he was fine, but didn't really pan out. He was definitely not the best player on the team in the playoffs. So um, that hurts his case, I think. Uh, all right, so we uh, agree. I, I agree. Sucks. They, yeah. We got that. All right. So uh, right, exactly. Yes. Exactly. So. <laughs> I think very clearly you're saying no. Yeah, he, he's. Sure. It's actually interesting because I, I always kind of thought Sheed was like awesome in the playoffs for that team, and he really was. We'll talk about it in a bit. He really wasn't that great, but uh, yeah. big part of the regular season, big part of them turning around and really feeling like okay, this is a real team that can make a run here. Chauncey Billups sure. clearly the best Piston through the regular season to me. Sixteen point nine points per game, eleven point three win shares. That's the best on the team because everybody else is pretty close too. Bigman Wallace, of course, the engine that made everything go really on the defensive end, gave that team their identity, gave everybody, you know, it really kind of got the Pistons to the level to where they got to is when they added Big Ben and he started to kind of figure out what his game was. That's when things really start going. 9.5 points per game at 12.4 rebounds per game, three blocks per game, 10.2 win shares. Now, Rip Hamilton was very good, but not enough to unseat either Billups or Wallace, I don't think, at 17.6 points per game, 8.1 win shares. Now, the playoffs... Will they help us come to a conclusion? Uh, well, not really. So, again, narrative-wise, Rashid was the difference maker coming over midseason, propelling the team from the Eastern Conference kind of cute story uh, to a bona fide championship contender and a championship winner. But he struggled in the playoffs. He scored only 13 points per game on 41.3% shooting. Uh, Billups, he averaged 16.4 points per game and 5.9 assists per game and a team-high 3.7 win shares. He shot 38.5% from the field. So, uh yeah, mid two thousands basketball. Everybody back when basketball was was played by real men, right. uh, and they missed a lot of shots. Because <laughs> Billups under forty percent for the playoffs, uh, but, but still good numbers. But Rich, they didn't miss a lot of threes, and that's the important. <laughs> right, they made. Right. All they missed the a lot of mid range. They, they missed a lot of no. They, well, they didn't shoot a lot of threes, so they didn't miss a lot of threes, and they right. they missed a lot of mid range jumpers. Real men miss mid range jumpers, not exactly. Threes. Right. right, instead of these yes. three pointers, right. get out of yeah. here. Uh, Anyway, I might be biased here uh, because he's one of my favorite players growing up. Uh, We are going to ignore that he at one point played for my favorite basketball team and he was not good. We're just going to strike that from the record. I don't even remember that happened. Ben Wallace played for the Bulls? What are you talking about? That didn't happen. But he had a great playoffs here. He got a scoring up over 10, 10 10.3, 14.3 rebounds per game, 2.4 blocks per game. His win shares are super close to Billups at 3.6. Back score plus minus likes Wallace a lot better than Billups as well, 5.3 to 4.6. 
and let's get some love to Richard Hamilton too. He was great in the playoffs. Twenty one point five yeah. points per game, forty four point seven percent shooting for three point five win shares. Now, do you, do you acknowledge that he was in the Bulls or no? Mm, not really. All right, fair enough. I yeah. kind of forgot that until you mentioned it. I'm thinking, wait, wait oh, you're right, he was. Yes. Yeah. No, I do not. Okay, I just realized. Right. No, I do not acknowledge that. It, like, quite sure. literally don't acknowledge. Like, I remember that Ben Wallace is, but I choose to ignore it. Uh, when you mentioned it there, that is the first time since Rip Hamilton left the Bulls, and I remember that Rip Hamilton was on the Bulls. But uh, no, I do not acknowledge it or remember it. Uh, but he was great. This is tough. I think it's a toss-up between Billups and Big Ben. Uh Sheed was obviously best in the regular season, but only played half of it. Not strong in the playoffs. I think Billups was very, very good. I think if you wanted to make a case for Billups, I could definitely listen to that. I think I'm going with Ben Wallace, though. I think just the identity of that team was so rooted in what Ben Wallace was doing uh, and so much of kind of his mentality and his force on on, on on the rebounding and his force on the defensive end. I think I go with Big Ben, but I, I think you can make an argument for Billups. I don't know. I'm kind of going to cop out on this. What, what do you think, Jason? I... I it's too close to call for me. Yeah, Billups was the Finals MVP. It's you know, you know, whatever. Um, yeah, I mean Hamilton was strong in the playoffs and probably their best playoff performer overall. I mean everything else is is pretty close. Um, yeah, I I think so. You know, this is a little bit kind of close to the seventy eight bullet situation that we talked about, where you know it unsell does so much that it doesn't necessarily show up in the box score. Um, and you play the solid defense. He, you know, he's a guy who doesn't score, but he does everything else so well. He defends, you know, and that and obviously that shows up in some of the um, numbers. I, I think that I would go with Wallace as well. Um, I, I would be okay with Billups. Um, you know, I would even be okay. I'd even be okay with Sheet. I think. Um, I don't think the numbers uh, bear it out necessarily, but I do think that. I mean. There was some level of other impact there. But honestly, I mean, he also averaged like 13.7 um, points per game and seven rebounds per game. Like, I mean, obviously, you know, good numbers, and they were a little better in the playoffs. But um, it wasn't like he was like the superstar who came in. He was just like a really good, you know, better than role player. But in terms of numbers-wise, you know, that was just – he was just like the, the piece that was missing, but he wasn't like the superstar that came in and put everything on his back. You know, it wasn't right, that kind of right, playoffs right. for him. Yeah, like he may have done like the, oh, you didn't show up in the box score, but he was like really, you know, rallying the team back in in, in the locker room and all that sort of stuff. Okay, that's fine. Like, you know, whatever. you know But yeah, I think Ben Wallace has a lot of that too. I mean, I I, I don't know. Right, agreed. Agreed. It's tough to call. I I think you could go with either Billups or Wallace. I am going to go with uh, Wallace here, but I I think either of those ones would be a compelling case. But as as is the – I mean, this 2004 Pistons, they they do – they did. As the reputation is, it is – too close to call for this team. Just both guys, great. So who knows? Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, we're going to go with Ben Walsh, but yeah, no, none of us feel great about it. So no. <laughs> you got any, any to debate that is, is welcome to uh, welcome to th- throw it down on Twitter. Yeah, we'll uh, we'll defend our honor, you know. Um, or I will cop out on Rich in the first uh, choice and be like, oh, yeah, that makes sense. Why did you <laughs> right. say Big Ben? How dare you? Yeah, of How dare you say Ben Walsh? Of course it's Mehmet Okor. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yes. Of course, it's Lindsey Hunter. <laughs> Darvin. Do you, Ham, do you yeah. acknowledge that Lindsey Hunter played for the Bulls? Just, uh, I do remember Lindsey because he was like 400 pounds. And like, I remember Bulls fans were like, why is this guy on the team? And they're like, he's like a coach on the floor. And I'm like, well, then make him a coach on the bench and get a real player. <laughs> like, you know, like, he's never on the floor because he's too fat to play. Fantastic. And like, yeah. like, well, then he's a coach on the floor. And I'm like, well, make him a All coach right. then. All right, fair enough. He was look look up Lindsey Hunter Bulls. You'll see what I'm talking. About. He's as big as a oh, house. Yeah. He's right. massive. He had yeah. like a Udonis Haslam thing where he just didn't play, but I don't know. It wasn't uh, right. 
I feel like I could believe that Udonis Haslam is helping the Heat. I had trouble believing that. Didn't he coach the Suns and like got fired like really like like Ooh. soon into it? Like something weird happened with that. Yeah, maybe. Uh, yeah, I remember him getting coaching jobs, and then I don't know what the hell he's doing these days. Like he, he was there for like one season, and it got really weird. And um, in Phoenix, no way. <laughs> like, I, I know. Yeah, he's got I, weird quickly yeah. in Phoenix. Uh, yes, 2012-2013 season. He was twelve and twenty nine, and they fired him. Okay. So there yeah. you go. And now okay. he yeah. is currently, or he was, the uh, Mississippi Valley State University head coach. But he is oh. no longer that. He stepped down in March of 2022. So he's available oh, all right. uh, yeah, to yeah. bring onto your team if you'd, if you'd like. So Absolutely. Yeah. I'm sure NBA staff's you know, looking for him anyway. <laughs> all right. So now we've got uh, 2005 and 2007 Spurs. And we're going to argue, we're going to look at Mono Ginobili here because we're going to look at all the Spurs, obviously. But um, 2005, um, you know, looking at Duncan, Ginobili, and Tony Parker. Duncan, first team all NBA, first team all defense, finals MVP. You know, numbers are great. Leads the team in win chairs, leads the team in PER, leads in boxer plus minus, you know, leads in pretty much every stat that matters. But Ginobili's really close. Yeah. You look at win shares, 11.2 to just 11. Box row plus minus is close. Um, you know, he's he's contributing heavily. Uh, you know, the minutes, I mean, Duncan's averaging 33 a game. Ginobili's averaging like 30. So it's really, that's close too. It's not like, I mean, Duncan's playing more, obviously, but it's not like so much more that you would be like, oh, yeah, Duncan's has so much more of a heavy load. G- Ginobili, yeah. Yeah, continue. No, no, no. I was just saying, yeah, it's, I, I think Ginobili at this time, it's like, it's, t- you know, we're, I, I think it's probably still Duncan and you're going to go through that here, but yeah, Ginobili was a very, very good player. There was like, I, I think people remember him like first coming in the league and then maybe the later years, but there was a couple years where it was like, dude, this team d- is not good without Ginobili yeah. and Parker also being great as well. I mean, Duncan had, had, had uh, was still great, but he wasn't as great as he was in 2003. He kind of slowed down a little bit, but a lot of that was because these other two dudes emerged and he didn't just, he didn't have to do as much. He was able to kind of say, Hey, I got two other guys that can come off one guy that can come off the bench or, you know, at this time he's, you know, Ginobili is still starting, but like, you know, guys that can, yeah, that just contribute almost of an equal level of, as, as me as well. So yeah, it, it, it was a lot closer than a lot of people think I, you know, Right. Yeah. I mean, Ginobili was like, I mean, he didn't play like heavy minutes, but he was, he was giving superstar level uh, production, you know, for the team, you know, in, in less minutes than you, a superstar normally plays, but absolutely was contributing at a high level for, um, you know, quite, a, quite a few years, but yeah. So he, he led the Spurs in postseason win shares and boxer plus minus by a lot, 9.2 to 5.5 for Duncan. The PR is basically identical. Um, you know, he steps up in the playoffs big, um, you know, Duncan improves as well, but um yeah, and, and again, as we mentioned, basically nearly even with Duncan and all the major regular season um, metrics, advanced metrics. Parker and negative two point seven boxer plus minus in playoffs. So uh, the playoffs uh, not good for um, Parker, and, and not really. I mean, he was good, but not really on the level of the other two guys, to be honest. So I'm going to go with Ginobili here because of that postseason um, run. I think that's enough for me to be willing to vote him ahead of Duncan. I don't blame anybody for drawing the opposite opinion. You know, it is strong. Um, you know, obviously Duncan, you know, is, is providing more defense. There, there's things that aren't being captured here that um, would favor Duncan. Obviously, you know, Duncan's a, I mean, they're both Hall of Famers, but Duncan's like, you know, no doubt, you know, ten, top 10, top 15 all-time player. And Ginobili's not at that level, despite being great. So, yeah, um, 
I don't feel like 100% good about it, but I'm I'm going with Ginobili here. Yeah, let's have some fun. Give, give Manu right. something. Yeah, give, give Manu something. Why not? Yeah, Why that, not? That great playoff. I mean, that, that playoff run was great. I mean, he steps up big time, big time uh, in, in those playoffs for, for the Spurs. So, no, I'm, I'm, I don't mind that pick at all. I think Manu was great, great in the playoffs and enough to, to make a case uh, for him for sure. So, yeah, I'm down with yeah. it. 2007, Duncan, first team All-NBA again, first team All-Defense again. He does have the best, you know, pretty much all the advanced stats in the metric in the playoffs favor him. Uh, Ginobili did have a better box score plus minus in the regular season. You know, the, his numbers are very close to um, Duncan's there. So, um, you know, it, it, it's close in both, but Duncan is definitely better in the playoffs this year. Uh, Parker wins the finals MVP. I mean, his numbers are, are fine too, but they're definitely, again, a, a level below um, Ginobili and Duncan. Uh, I guess they got bored giving it Duncan, so they gave it to Parker, which, you know, again, didn't merit. It was, it was a four-game sweep. So, like, you know. <laughs> yeah, uh, like, I don't know. What do you want us to say? Yeah, it's, whatever. It's a, his right. is kind of boring. Yeah. LeBron was here, but then he was gone real quick. And, well, Drew Gooden yeah. was the next best player. I don't know. Tony, just take it. Give it to Tony. Give it to Tony. Right. Just give, give, give it to Tony. Just right yeah. So, yeah. So, I'm, I'm giving, yeah, again, absent a strong case for Ginobili in any of these, I'm going to give it to Duncan, uh, you know, obviously. Cause, so, yeah, it's going to go with Tim here. There we go. All right. All right. Uh, the 2008 Celtics, Jason, I don't know if you've heard, but this team won an NBA championship. The 2008 oh, yeah. huh. Celtics won the NBA championship this year. Okay. They had uh, Kevin Garnett, Paul Pierce, Ray yeah. Allen, and Rajon Rondo were on this team. Right. Uh, and, and they came and, together and won a, uh, an NBA championship. Yeah. I right. And, and correct me if I'm wrong, but they won like four or five others because of how much we talk about this era. Yes. The Celtics. Obviously, they won multiple championships. Correct. Were right? I yeah. am not okay. going to look it up, but I think off the top of my head, they won the next four titles. Okay. That makes sense. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And then the yeah. Mavs. And then the Mavs won in 2011. I forget. Yeah. That, that sounds about right. So, that yeah. sounds about right. Yeah. Sounds about, yeah. Okay. I'm good. not going to look it up. I'm just going to trust the yeah. old brain here that that's exactly sure. what happened. Yeah. So. Uh, anyway, narrative-wise, this one is tough because Pierce was on the team for a decade at this point. There wasn't one guy that they added to become a champion, but rather they got both Ray Allen and Kevin Garnett. And on the court, the big three are all pretty close. Kevin Garnett leads the team in win shares at 12.9 in the regular season, uh, backed by 18.8 points per game, 9.2 rebounds per game. Uh, Paul Pierce just a hair below KG in win shares at 12.4 and leads the team in scoring at 19.6. Uh, Ray Allen trails, uh, trails both of them pretty significantly in win shares at 9.7. Uh, but his on-court numbers are great. 17.4 points per game, shooting nearly 40, 40% uh, from three. Now, in the playoffs, Garnett steps up big time. He ups his scoring and rebounding. 20.4 points per game, 10.5 rebounds per game. Leads the team in win shares at 4.1. Uh, Ray Allen slides into second uh, in win shares at 3.1 uh, with 15.6 points per game. And again, 40% from three. And uh, Paul Pierce, good uh, numbers, uh, a hair under Allen at 3.0 win shares uh, with 19.7 points per game. So it's pretty close, but I think I'm pretty comfortable giving it to Kevin Garnett. I, I think, you know, Pierce is right there and Pierce is pretty close. But I think when you add in again, like, you know, Garnett comes to the team and he's clearly the biggest piece to me uh, of the acquisitions. Ray Allen was a great piece. Obviously, adding Ray Allen was great, but almost immediately you could tell Ray Allen would be the third most important guy on this team, you, you know, pretty quickly thereafter while Garnett would be the dude. I mean, Garnett is absolutely in, absolutely in his prime here uh, at 31 coming off some great years in Minnesota. So to me, it's him and him stepping up as big as he did in the playoffs. Uh, that sort of works for me as well. So I am going to go with Kevin Garnett. Yeah, I do think that, um, you know, and, and we know that Garnett was the guy who was, 
um, doing a lot of the little things, uh, you know, driving them there, that defensive improvement. I mean, was obviously the play and motivation of KG was um, a really important part of that, you know, and, and you look at, you know, the box score stats, the advanced stats, you know, he's leading the way in most of them. I do think it's pretty clear. I mean, obviously Pearson Allen also played really well, but I do think that, um, yeah, I, I think it's clearly a Kevin Garnett, uh, something looking into this team. I had actually forgotten that Tony Allen played for this team. Yeah, totally, yeah. yeah, he had a he yeah. had a weird Boston run. Do you remember the uh, there was the one year where like they called a whistle and then he went to go dunk after the whistle and tore his ACL. Oh, that's right. Yeah, because yeah, yeah, there was a long time where everybody was like, yeah, "This guy's yeah. a clown. What an idiot. What a dummy." And then like it's right. so weird how his reputation became like, "This is the smartest player on the floor. This is the veteran, like Tony Allen. Right. He's the vet." Like so, right. yeah, right. yeah, yeah. He had a very yeah. weird Boston. I would have assumed that like when you look at his numbers and look at how his career was going, that like. Tony Allen would have been a guy that like just fell off the map, you know, just, you'd never remember seeing him ever again. Then he ended up having like another decade in the league and ended up being like really good for a lot of good teams. So, yeah. Well, then he got, yeah, got in trouble for uh, swindling. uh, uh, Oh, that's right. He was one of those guys. Oh man. Man, There's a lot of, a lot of fun guys that I used to like on that list. And it's like, (laughs) Oh man. man. Wasn't he one of the, uh, I don't want to call him the ringleader, but I think he was pretty high up in the, uh, did, did, did anything ever come of that? Like, what are we doing? Uh, there's, uh, there's been some. I was looking that up actually. A couple of, uh, not Allen, but a couple of former players um, are uh, pleading guilty. Are getting, um, mm. yeah, uh, Jamario Moon and Anthony Rooten. So, mm. plea deals. Anyway, we'll see. Yikes. So, All right. yeah. Uh, anyway, so uh, yeah, that was fun. Uh, maybe not <laughs> insurance fraud. Not ideal. Yeah, I, I can't believe you. Yeah, I, I. Completely forgot he was there. He was he played there for like five six years. It totally uh yeah. Anyway, uh, 2009, 2010 Lakers. Uh, Kobe or Pau Gasol? Of course, you know Kobe. Uh, you know the Kobe Shaq year. They uh, Shaq leaves. The Lakers are in the wilderness for a couple years, but then hey, they kind of rebuild the team. They get Phil Jackson back, and hey, they look into uh, a, a beneficial trade for Pau Gasol. They get another star and uh, things go well. They make the 2008 finals and they win the 2009 and 2010 championships. So, you know, um, I think reputation wise, Kobe is definitely clearly seen as the better player. But, you know, take a look at the numbers. Well, it's uh, it's close. Um, I'm still going to go with Kobe here. Uh, Powell did lead a regular season win shares. Um, Boxer plus minus favors Kobe by you know, a decent amount. Um you know, obviously Kobe's taking the scoring load. You know, Kobe's the guy everyone's keen their defense for. Um, you know, Powell's important too, and he's you know he, he's he's a great player. You're probably a little bit underrated, um, even though he played for the uh, even though he played for the Lakers. You know, I still say in some respects, I think his his uh, contributions were maybe not quite as appreciated. But yeah, I would say, and then for playoff performance, you know, Kobe pretty much outshines Powell in everything. You know, nine point one Boston plus minus to five point three. You know, all the, all the numbers are up there. He has a brilliant playoffs in there, 2009. Um, you know, I think 2009, it's absolutely, you know, clearly Kobe. Yeah. Um, 2010, it's a little closer. You know, Powell is a, you know, he leads in win shares 11.0 to 9.4 in the regular season. Boxer plus mine is also, you know, 4.9 to 4.1. You know, PER2, all the advanced numbers in the regular season favor Powell, um, you know, but – Playoff time. I mean, um, how does win and win shares there? Kobe's, you know, gets in box for plus minus, and um, 
you know, some of the other runs. But, you know, Kobe's also you know, scoring 29 points <laughs> per game in the playoffs, you know, over 23 games. You know, he's carrying such a, um, a heavy burden for that team that I, it would have to really be, like, again, a, a really clear case for me to pick Powell over Kobe either one of these years. And like I would say, I, I, I would say the numbers overall might even give Powell a slight edge. But just, you know, know, knowing what I know about, you know, what, what we saw, what we were there. I mean, Powell was absolutely a really important contributor, but I think, you know, these, these were Kobe's teams. Right. The reason that these teams won the title was because of Kobe Bryant. I mean, he, he, sure. having Paul there obviously changed everything, made it a lot easier for Kobe to, to, to win these titles. But, yeah, having watched all these games and remember watching yeah. this in real time, this I, is Kobe. I mean, yeah, I, the, the box score yeah. plus minus and the win shares and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, because Kobe was Kobe, and you know he he shot you know under fifty percent, forty five percent from the field uh, in the playoffs. So some of those efficiency numbers are going to suffer, especially when Gasol was a very efficient player, and he always was in his entire career. He was very efficient about where he shot. He was very efficient about how he shot and and where he got his points and all that sort of stuff. So those sort of numbers are going to look better. But like, yeah, I mean Kobe averaged nearly thirty points a game in in in, in the twenty ten playoffs, and and yeah, Paul has win shares. Paul has you know some of the other stuff here and there, but. These were Kobe's teams for sure. So, yeah, I, I think there's interesting cases being. It's not obvious. Like, there might be people that would say, oh, my God, it's so clearly Kobe. I don't think it very clearly is. Like, I think there is at least an argument to be made for it. But it's not a – yeah, it's one that would be really tough. Like you said, Paul had to really, really dominate, clearly dominate, and I just don't think he does to take these away from Kobe. He's he's in the mix, but he, it's it, you got to be really, really great. you got to be all-time great uh, to take these titles away from Kobe, I think. Yeah, no, I, I would definitely agree with that. Now, this is a fun one. The 2014 San Antonio Spurs. So now it's probably Kawhi Leonard, but Duncan still stout at this time, still pretty good. Uh, Manager Nobly, not bad either. And this is kind of an interesting one. In, in, you know, with the benefit of hindsight, it's probably obvious and easy to say it's Kawhi Leonard. But at this time, we didn't quite know what he was going to become. Like, we've, we've kind of retconned this into him being the best and the most important guy on this team. But I think a lot of that is because we would then find out later in future years that, oh, yeah, he is the best and the most important guy. And, oh, yeah, this guy is incredible. And, oh, yeah, he's going to lead this team to a, 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 a title. And he's going to lead this team to a title. And he's going to do this sort of stuff. With that said, though, he does have a great case on stats and merit as well. So he leads the team in win shares uh, during the regular season at 7.7 with 12.8 points per game, 6.2 rebounds per game, and his always insanely great defense, of course. Uh, Tim Duncan is no slouch at all, though, as he uh, is starting to wind down his career here. He has 15.1 points per game, 9.7 rebounds per game, and he's just under Kawhi at 7.4 win shares as well. But, hey, did I say Manu? I meant Marco. Marco Bellinelli. What about my man Marco Bellinelli? 5.9 win shares. Put some respect on Marco Bellinelli's name, uh, we're not going to bring up what he did in the playoffs. That's irrelevant to this discussion. Right. Just trust me, uh, they were great, and he definitely belongs in this conversation at all. Now, but uh, what question. I'm going to do is not mention him again, though. <laughs> Just trust right. me that he belongs in the conversation, but I'm no longer going to include him in the conversation that I'm going to have. So, all right. Sorry, I, I do have to interrupt, though. Do you recognize Bar- Marco Bellinelli as a Chicago Bull? Yes. Oh, I always recognize right. Marco Bellinelli. Right. 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 Yes. Good. Don't worry. Okay. Don't worry. Yes. I, I appreciate that. All yeah. Right. I, uh, I, I, I have a, a, a connection to Marco Bellinelli that I will always, yeah, I do remember as a bull. Uh, and then there was one point where when I was in Italy, I was shopping and there was a, uh, it was like a small little store on the Amalfi coast or whatever. And I went in and they, I, I bought a Sprite and Marco Bellinelli was on the Sprite can. Ooh. And I walked up to the guy and I'm like, yeah, Marco Bellinelli thinking like, Hey, Italian basketball yeah. player. Sure. And he looked at me and he goes, who? And I said, Marco Bellinelli, this guy. And he goes, who? <laughs> I was just like, all right, well, never mind. Apparently, yeah. nobody knows who Marco Bellinelli is. That's fine. Like, if he was a if he was a member of Real Madrid, I'm sure he would know who oh, he was. Uh, or whatever. Sure, but, you know, yeah. like, if yeah. he 
if he was on you know, like you know, a, a, a football team, he might know. But yeah, this man had right. no earthly idea who the fuck Marco Bellinelli was. Is it Marco Bellinelli? He plays basketball. And he goes, ah, basketball. Yeah, <laughs> he just kind of goes like this. I'm like, all right, yeah. that's fair yeah. enough. I bought that can though, and I enjoyed that Marco Bellinelli uh, uh, was there. So, oh, nice. and then I shared it on Facebook, and Marco Bellinelli, then a member of the Chicago Bulls said thank you <laughs> so aka the person running his social media account said thank you so you know hey, what there you go i always remember marco bellinelli as a bull so okay, okay. uh let's never talk about marco bellinelli again in this conversation because uh, yeah. he didn't do great in the playoffs he did really bad yeah. that's fine he got him there in the regular right. season yeah. uh playoff wise duncan performed slightly better with 3.2 win shares 16.3 points per game 9.2 rebounds per game Kawhi is right there with him though at 2.9 win shares and 14.3 points per game uh manager nobody does step up playoff wise he averages 14.3 points per game 2.2 win shares uh tiago splitter somehow some way uh, was third on the team in win shares in the playoffs. Wild to insane uh, at 2.6. So this one is tough. It's probably Kawhi Leonard, though Duncan makes an incredibly compelling case. Having watched these games, though, and known what Kawhi Leonard was doing in these games, which was just everything. <laughs> he was doing this. He was rebounding. He was defending LeBron, defending Dwayne Wade, defending everybody. I mean, he had to carry and shoulder such a huge load in these playoffs. And again, with the benefit of hindsight, we kind of knew what Kawhi would be. You know, now we know what Kawhi is going to be. At this time, we didn't. But I think at the end of these finals, we did kind of understand what Kawhi was going to be and what he was. So to me, this is Kawhi Leonard. I think uh, the stats kind of back that up. Uh, the play on the court backs that up. Uh, good case for Duncan. Really, really good case for Duncan. Uh, but I think this one has to go to Kawhi Leonard. Yeah, it is interesting. Yeah, in the playoffs, Kawhi was scoring 14.3 points per game and 6.7 rebounds. Like, I mean... He it just just to show you what the collective effort was for the Spurs, and you're right. You know, uh, Duncan obviously plays really well. They get you know Tago Splitter, you know, guys who were good players but not special players step up and are big. You know, Manu is another great playoffs. Um, you know, every, every it, this was definitely a, a collective effort, but I, I do agree. You got to pick somebody. I think Kawhi is probably the um, best choice here given the spark that he had. That defense on LeBron was really important. Um, and you're right. Yeah, this was kind of his. He, he wasn't a superstar yet. He wasn't at least wasn't producing like a superstar yet. But that would come very soon after this. And you know, this kind of kicked it off. Obviously, wins that Finals MVP. Yeah, I, I'm. I agree with you on Kawhi. Yeah, and, and again, benefit of hindsight, it's obviously Kawhi. I think at the time too. If you if you remember the conversations immediately following these playoffs, it was like, oh, Kawhi's a dude. Like this is a guy. Like. 2013, he kind of got exposed as not being quite ready yet, not quite being ready for the spotlight, not being quite ready for all that sort of stuff. And then 2014, uh, he kind of proved, no, 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 I'm ready for the spotlight, and I'm going to just – he, he more than anybody, I think, willed this team to victory uh, in 2014. A very uh, One of the best, uh, you know, back-to-back NBA final seasons of all time, the Spurs and, and the Heat uh, going neck-to-neck in 2013 and 2014. But, yeah, I, I, this one's, to me, pretty easily quiet. Yeah, I would agree. All right, uh, 2017 and 2018 Warriors. Do we go with Steph? Do we do, go with Kevin Durant? Uh, do we go with Zaza Pachulia? Who knows? So, yeah, 2017, <laughs> man, this is, you know, they're both neck and neck, but this is definitely neck and neck. So, win shares in the regular season, 12.6 for Curry, 12 for Durant. Um, in the playoffs, 3.4 for Curry. 3.1 for Durant. All the other advanced uh, metrics, and honestly, the, just regular, um, you know, scoring average. Uh, Curry in the regular season, 25.3 to 25.1 for Durant. In the playoffs, 28.1 for um, Curry, 28.5 for Durant. So in pretty much every metric you can measure here, advanced or otherwise, um, very, very close. 
Uh, Durant was a little bit stronger in the regular season. He does miss 20 games because of injury in the regular season. Again, I I don't know how that matters. You could be, or how much it really should matter. I mean, you could argue that Curry had the better and more productive season, but was he the better player at the time? Well, there's only certain ways to measure that. Um, for what it's worth, they were both second team All-NBA. Um, yeah, this is tough. I, I'm not going to reach a conclusion. I'm going to talk about 2018 first, and then we'll uh, reach a conclusion for both. On there, but any other thoughts on the 2017 season in particular? Yeah, it's a it's a strange uh, Warriors uh, year. I mean, obviously it was pretty easy for them. It was just like, oh wait, we're good, and now we have Durant, so now we're really yeah. really good. And yeah, yeah, I think guys are they're neck and neck at this time. And I think it, it was kind of this weird feeling out process of hey, who's the guy on this team? And it was very split at this time. I, I really do think that you could flip a coin for either of these guys. Uh, the numbers kind of bear that out as well. Almost exactly the same numbers. Uh, Durant was like crazy crazy efficient that year though, and and just so good. Uh, from all parts of the court, so yeah, it's it's a tough one, but no, we'll 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 get to it with both because I think uh, we we can wrap it up in one neat little package when we talk about 2018. Yes, 2018, honestly, pretty much the opposite. Uh, <laughs> Curry performs a little bit better in the regular season. He's got a better PER, better box score plus minus, but he misses 31 games. So uh, and Durant missed 13 games, so or 14 games. So they they both had injuries. Uh, Durant was first team All NBA. Curry was third team. You know, in the playoffs, um, Durant did play a bit better. Um, Curry missed uh, several, uh, you know, playoff games as well. Only played 14 of the 21 playoff games. So, um, yeah, and I would say that Durant overall did perform um, just slightly better in most respects than uh, Durant. But again, really, really close. They both averaged 26.4 points in the uh, regular season. Um, you know, Durant is 29 points, uh, Curry is 25 points, you know, efficiency wise, they're both pretty similar, honestly. Um, you know, I, I, again, a diff- difficult thing to parse out. I'm going to have a cop out here. I'm going to say Curry in 2017, Durant in 2018, just, Hey, availability is a skill, right? You know, they, that they, they were there for, you know, basically the whole time you know, they stepped up when the other guy was, you know, injured was out, which I, you know, I, I guess that's important. I mean, you know, they were playing at their best at that point, they were stepping up, they were keeping them ahead. So, um, you know, without really, I, I, we obviously both watched it. We both know they were really, you know, basically equally important to uh, them being at championship level. Obviously they were champion um, before uh, Durant come, came along and they've you know, won a championship since then. But I mean, Durant was you know so important to what they do and made and made it so much easier on everybody else as well um, that, you know, you, you can't say that he wasn't incredibly valuable and just about as valuable as Steph was during that time as well. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I completely forgot that they had these injuries during these seasons. I just remember them, like, always playing and just, like, always being great. And, like, yeah, but, again, they yeah. probably could afford them where he's like, eh, you know what, I'll just take, like, ten more games off because I don't need right. to be there. Because Kevin Durant's there. Kevin Durant being like, I don't really need to be there because Steph Curry's well, there. So, yeah, I don't really I, – I, I know they miss these games because I'm looking at the numbers. I'm seeing them happen. I just do not remember that happening whatsoever. But yeah. I think well, exactly – they were so close that I think you have to just include, hey, this guy played the full season this year and this guy played the full season last year. But you can really coin flip either of these guys. They were They were – in almost every single way equals um, uh, in these, uh, in the playoffs and in the regular season to help these teams win the titles. So sure. And in 2017, I mean, they won 67 games. They, they swept the first three rounds and they beat the Cavs for one in the uh, finals. You know, 2018 was more of a struggle. They, um, I mean, they won only 58 games, you know, their SRS was only like third in the league. So they were, they were obviously a good team, but they weren't a dominant regular season team. 
you know, they almost lose to the Rockets in the Western Conference Finals. They yeah. were down, you know, four, they were down 3-2, and they managed to rally only, you know, the Houston, Houston just forgot how to shoot threes in Game <laughs> 7, or else you know, that might have changed things. So what should now we they, do? I don't know, take more threes? We haven't made one in 28 right. attempts. I don't know. Take eight more and see what happens. See what happens, yeah. Um, but uh, we can't miss this many, can we? Yeah, yeah we can't um, miss 30 in a row. That's ridiculous. They did sweep the finals against the Cavs again, but I mean, the Cavs were also, you know, they, they were – they Let's were let the, be- the less be said there. about that Cavs team, the better. Right. Let's just yeah. the NBA finals um, ended when the Houston Rockets were eliminated. So right, exactly. Yes. So yeah, that 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 finals. Let's just yeah. We'll right. Remember, remember that Re- well, LeBron had like a fifty point triple double in the first game, and then that J.R. Smith. Um, you know, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that, game point. that was crazy. Anyway, oh, um, those Cavs teams. Oh yeah, People people do not give enough credit for LeBron dragging those hapless. That last year, especially, yeah. especially that team, yeah, the right. team just yeah. dummies and yeah. idiots and and has-beens. Yeah, their, their, a... their second best player was Jarrett Smith, <laughs> <laughs> right? Who right. didn't yeah. know anything that was going on in the game, right? Point, yeah, so. right. Uh, but it was good. I like Jarrett Smith. Anyway, yeah. twenty twenty Lakers. Let's go to them. Hey, LeBron, he's back speaking, again. Speaking of Jarrett Smith, yeah, yeah, it's uh, Jarrett. Right. Oh, right, I forgot he was on. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, twenty twenty. This was another team of uh, has-beens and whatnots and all these people. But hey. He also had Anthony Davis, and that helped a lot. So now we have the 2020 Lakers, who is the best between Anthony Davis and LeBron. So I think it's a pretty solid bait, and it's it's pretty juicy. So obviously we have a super, super, super weird season broken up by the pandemic and a bubble and a bubble playoffs or whatever. But Anthony Davis does play 62 games that year. LeBron plays 67. So we're close uh, in terms of those two guys' games played. Uh, Davis performs better than LeBron in the regular season, getting 11.1 win shares, averaging a team-high 26.1 points, and grabbing 9.3 rebounds. Now, LeBron, uh, well, he's LeBron, Uh, 25.3 points per game, 10.2 assists per game, 7.8 rebounds per game, 9.8 win shares. On regular season alone, you probably give it to Davis. In the playoffs, though, it becomes a different story. LeBron is super, super close in everything. Davis still has the point-per-game lead, but only by .01 point-per-game. Davis' line is 27.7 points per game, 9.7 rebounds per game, and 3.5 assists per game for 4.5 win shares. LeBron, though, very nearly averages a triple-double in the finals, 27.6 points per game, 10.8 rebounds per game, and 8.8 assists per game for a 4.3 win shares. LeBron wins finals MVP, and it's kind of hard to argue with. I think I'm going with LeBron here on the merits of it being LeBron, him very clearly being the engine that made the team go. And to me, Davis clearly benefiting from LeBron being his teammate. Now, obviously, LeBron benefited greatly from Anthony Davis being his teammate. That's how that works. When you have two good players, they benefit from each other. It's very, very close. I can hear an argument for Davis, but for me, I got to go with LeBron here. Yeah, I'm I'm going to agree, again, without the absence of stronger evidence in front of uh, for AD, I got to go with LeBron because, you know, it's either close or in favor of LeBron. Um, you know, it, it, it's close enough that there's no – compelling reason to give it to AD. I mean, you know, he played really well in those playoffs and in those finals. And, he, you know, he hit that, that huge shot in uh, against Denver in the uh, earlier in the playoffs to that game winner. So um, he did some great stuff uh, long and was really important for that playoff run. Um, but yeah, it's, you know, it's LeBron, <laughs> you know, it's like, it's hard to argue against LeBron against, again, without stronger evidence, just got to go with LeBron by default. Yeah, and and there 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 was games where it felt like Davis was kind of leading them, and it did feel like, hey, this is. But a lot of that was like, hey, Anthony Davis finally figured out how to use his body, and hey, Anthony Davis finally figured out how to be great and be that sort of stuff. And then like while all that's happening, LeBron is just being LeBron in the background and just being 
absolutely, absolutely incredible. So, right. uh, yeah, I go with LeBron Playmaking, here. Yeah, right. He, he has the ball in his hand so much more, doing all that yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah. He's just doing yeah. everything really on the courts. Right. And, and, and like, yeah. again, if you want to make a case for Davis, I think a case could be made. But for me, I, I, I think it's LeBron. Exactly. So, all right. So, that is it. We have gotten through all uh, – however many years of NBA, ABA history, however all of them. many yeah. we have. Yeah, <laughs> did it all. right. We did it all. Yeah. Uh, NBL, ABA, everything. So, all right. So who has been the best, the most? So we've counted the people who have won multiple times been the best player on a championship team. So Bill Russell did it eight times. George Mikan did it seven times. Michael Jordan did it six times. Magic Johnson and LeBron James both did it. Four times: Steph Curry, Larry Bird, John Havlicek, uh, Shaquille O'Neal, and Tim Duncan all did it three times. And Julius Irving, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, Kobe Bryant, Will Chamberlain, Akeem Olajuwon, and Kawhi Leonard all did it twice. So there have been forty-nine players who we believe can say that they were the best player on a championship team from the eighty-nine championship teams that we considered between the NBA, ABA, BAA, and NBL. There it is. That's it. Yeah. So officially, Bill Russell, your greatest of all time. There you go. Um, officially, yeah. That's it. Number two, George Mikan. We're just gonna go. This is the official that's now. The uh, yeah. Official right. official list of uh-huh. the top players of all time: Bill Russell, George Mikan, uh, Michael Jordan, Magic Johnson, LeBron James, Steph Curry. There's your top five, and then right. we'll, uh, we're no more debates. So yeah. Oh, Fair six. Enough. That was top six. Sorry, that was six. top six. Yeah, so right. Steph Curry, you're out of there, pal. Top five. I just gave it all to right. you there. Lock okay. it in. It's set in stone forever. But uh, that's yeah. pretty. I mean, that that when that's, you look at that list, that's. I mean, not maybe the order of it, but like those are the dudes. You know what I mean? Like Havlicek might worst be the list one ever. Yeah, that right. like people yeah. would like brush up against. But Bill Russell, yeah. George Mikan, MJ, Magic, LeBron, Steph, Bird, Curry, yeah, Shaq, Shaq, yeah, Dr. Duncan. J, Tim Duncan, Kareem, right. Kobe, Wilt, Hakeem, yeah, Kawhi Leonard. Yeah. Yeah, maybe not Kawhi Leonard, <laughs> but I mean, but you know, yeah. I mean, most of those guys, I would say, you know, you could make a top ten case for you know almost all those guys. Right. Uh, Except probably have a check and 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 Kawhi maybe Kawhi could get there. So yeah, right. that's a, that's a pretty good list. So if Kawhi decides to play again, which I don't know, maybe yeah, maybe yeah. Hey maybe Kawhi, not. what's your injury? I don't know. All right, no problem. Uh, <laughs> Whenever you're ready, pal. Like, you know. It sucks to hurt. Yeah. All right. Like, my man takes yeah. two years off for an ACL, but hey, it's fine. Yeah. Hey. But then he comes back and wins the title, so it's like, oh, shit. Sure. All right. <laughs> like, yeah, I guess. Why not? If it works, it works. But, uh, yeah, yeah, this is fun. I, I enjoy doing this. We, uh, yeah. we we did it. We're done. Yeah. We're done. Yeah, hopefully everyone, uh, Doug, this was a lot of fun to uh, do. You know, uh, of course, you know, feel free to yell at us nicely uh, on social media. We are uh, on Twitter and Facebook at Over and Back NBA. Uh, and, uh, you know, you're into what we're doing, wherever you listen to us, please leave a rating and review. So, uh, it makes us feel better and uh, helps, uh, other listeners perhaps, uh, you know, discover the show and, uh, learn about, uh, NBA history themselves. So hopefully everyone dug this. Uh, it's been a great, uh, great doing another show. Rich, thanks very much. Appreciate, uh, all your hard work on this. And thanks everyone for listening. We're back again soon.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue. All in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.